Hello, and welcome back to For the Souls podcast. Today, I'm joined by a renowned Sacramento tattoo artist. You may have seen him on Instagram. Welcome, Jesse, Sacramento native, born and raised here. You reached out to me yeah. wanting to share your testimony, and you yeah. told me a little bit so far, and it is, I know it's going to be extremely powerful. Um, but let's take it back to the beginning. I mentioned you're a tattoo artist. Right. We're going to be talking about your adolescence, some yep. prison time that you faced, and yep. just your your overall um, perseverance through that adversity. Yeah, yeah. So take us back to the beginning. You mentioned that you're not Mexican. For no. those of you that might think he is Mexican, you're gotcha. actually Romanian-American. Romanian-American, full blood. Yeah, both parents uh, migrated, immigrated. And, and uh, what, uh, what year did they migrate here, if you remember, or how old um, were you? I, I could say it was about 40 years ago around okay. 40 years ago because i'm 36 now so i was born here so uh it was a little bit a little bit uh before i was born they got here yeah and they migrated straight to sacramento california uh no no they uh first they went to i believe utah yeah and then from there because i guess they were part of like a, a church program mm. where they got they were able to come through um in refugee type a situation because it was a communist country oh gotcha oh yeah so they experienced all of that. So yeah, they got to experience that stuff. So they, they were able to, 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 to come to the United States. And, um, and so from Utah, they went from there to San Bernardino. Okay. From San, San Bernardino, uh, we, we, we went to Sacramento. Yeah. yeah, and this is where you were born. And I was born here in Sac. Yeah. And so what part of Sac did you guys move to? Uh, yeah, when we got to Sac, we moved straight to Old Park. Oh, yeah. okay. So the hood. Yeah, straight to Park. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And what was that? What was growing up in that environment like? I was really young when we were living in Old Park. Uh, so probably up to like maybe like first, second grade. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was the normal. I mean, uh, what, what I thought was the normal, you know? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> just helicopters every night, shootings, stuff like that. Uh, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty bad. That, that was like early early 90s you know yeah isn't it a trip how when we grow up in these environments we yeah. don't really realize that yeah, exactly maybe i don't mean who knows what normal is right, right. but we don't really realize that oh shit, there's yeah. other forms of living because yeah, exactly. this is all we know exactly you know a lot of people get comfortable in the chaos i find and that's why yeah. breaking out of it feels yeah. so foreign you know yeah, when you're yeah. trying to change your life because what does that even look like yeah. um so you mentioned that your family like was in the church yeah, heavy in church, yeah. So you're 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 of faith. Your family's of, of a yeah, faith definitely. background. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you, yeah. are you a believer in Christ? I, I believe. I believe. It's, I think it's the difference between like actually practicing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I practice it as much as I should, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I have a, a certain belief system, you know, and uh, and that that came from my background as well as like you know just what I I've come to believe my own way, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. And were you like actively involved in the church growing up? Were yeah. your parents like? <clears throat> Yeah, so I, yeah, I remember like uh, growing up, uh, yeah, my parents were deep into it. So we would go to church like twice on Sunday, once on Monday, once on Wednesday. Dang. It was, yeah, it was like that. And then, uh, you know, there was a time where, where we started, you know, uh, running around the streets and stuff. And, and uh, we'd have to be like, hey, we got to go to church, you know? And so yeah. we, 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 me and my brother got known as the, as the church boys. Yeah. You know, around the hood <laughs> and shit. So, yeah. That's hella funny. I remember... Um, I used to actually ditch youth group to be with my husband. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we would. We would ditch all the time. He'd come pick us up in West Sac. 
Yeah. And yeah, we did. You know what? Now that I think about it, like I went to church camps and it was always us, like more hood folk. Yeah. That just gravitated towards each other. Exactly. And it's hello funny because you think about it and you're like, your, your our parents are trying to change our lives and yeah. give us good influences. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are, knuckleheads. I know. I know. You know, know. doing yeah. what we do. So you mentioned, obviously, I don't want to get to it too fast, but right. you live, you were living in the hood. You inevitably have good parents, right? They were yeah. trying to give you a good foundation when it comes to your faith and yeah, all of that yeah. stuff. When you and I were talking uh, via Instagram and you let me know a little about yourself, you come from a big family. Yeah, big family. So how did that impact you per se? Like, do you feel like you got the like attention and your emotional needs met growing up? Or was it hard to spread that out, would you say, because of the big family that you had? Yeah, so it was, it's, it's, it's crazy because the way my family was, it was like we came in waves. Yeah. So I have uh, older siblings that are like much older than me, you know? Yeah. So um, I believe... Because well, you said you're six or seven, right? Yeah, two of my brothers and two of my sisters were born there. Oh, okay. So they were already uh, older when, you know, by the time I was born. Yeah. So... Um, I, you know, like uh, like a like a whole class of them would move out, and then and then me and then my other two brothers would we would kind of grow up together. So yeah, the rest were like already doing their own thing, you know. So I mean, it was weird because yeah, I, mean, I remember one time we were, we were all together under one roof, you know. Yeah. So it was like you know, imagine the Home Alone movies. Yeah. yeah it was wild. But yeah, yeah, I could imagine. Um, and being that you were the youngest and obviously a little bit of what you shared about your testimony doing, you know, prison time. Yeah. Did any of your other siblings like fall victim to the lifestyle that you yeah. eventually got into? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. Uh, when we lived in Oak Park, my, my, like I said, my, my older brother, he was, you know, he was older already. So he, he, by that time he, he started already running the streets, you know? Yeah. Um, so he would eventually end up going to prison on a couple times, you know? So, uh, to us, you know, me and because I have I have an, uh, a brother uh, like that's like a year and a half older. Yeah. So we kind of grew up more like like homies, you know. Yeah. So to us, our older brother, he was like the hero. Like we kind of wanted to imitate that. You yeah. Know? We were like, oh man, he's going to prison. He's he's tatted up. He's yeah, living that he's life. Cool. Yeah. 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 Every hood story yeah, ends yeah, up like yeah, that. You yeah. see them, you see what they're bringing in, who they're around, and there's a in awe of that lifestyle. Yeah. But hella naive, right? right. Because where that lands you right, is right, a freaking right. hole that you got to get out of right. that is extremely hard to get out of. Um, what was the impact on your parents watching like your brother fall victim to that lifestyle, yeah, right? Very, and then yeah. eventually watching you as well go down that same road. Yeah, that's the one thing, you know, I always think about like, man, I see my parents cry so much for us, you know? Yeah. So for sure, like it was a uh, you know, anytime my brother would get locked up, it was a it was a tragedy to to my parents. You know, my mom, she's very sensitive, super sensitive. You know, so yeah. she would always cry, and uh, we'd watch her. And then, uh, and man, it was just kind of like when when we seen we seen that happen. I, I mean, it didn't deter us. I don't know what it yeah. was, but it was like okay, now it's our turn. You know? Yeah. So it was kind of like a, a rite of passage the way I seen it. No, I hear you with that because I was. Uh in my adolescence, I was a real big ass knucklehead. Yeah. Like, and I think back and I'm like, now as an adult, now that I have kids, right. now that like I've changed my life, I'm like, oh my God, if my fucking kids were to put me through the shit that I put yeah, my mom through, I like I would be stressed. I would fucking have a head full of gray hairs. Like, right. I would be stressed out. I can't even imagine. I used to run away with, I was constantly fighting, had cops coming to the house. Right. And my mom is so chill. Like yeah. she's like that too. She's like super yeah. sensitive, super chill. 
totally opposite of me and here I am a fucking heathen putting her through so much I know that's what I say about my that's what I say about my son you know uh he's you know he's he's 20 now he's about to be 21 so and uh just like you know I know he had a rough uh upbringing and then you know people would say things like oh you know you gotta watch him I'm like man that kid is straight he ain't nothing like me you know (laughs) so that's good what a blessing yeah that's a major blessing so let's talk about your adolescence you grew up the way you grew up, the influences, the environmental influences, yeah, right? Yeah. At what age would you say you started hitting the wrong, the wrong path or being around the wrong influences? Um, so um, I guess from we, we, we left Oak Park and then we did a little bit of, we, we, like maybe like a year and uh, we got this rental house in Elk Grove. Yeah. You know, like the Jeffersons moving on up. Yeah, which is considered super nice. Yes, but it, you like, know, it's, it was a rental uh, and then, you know, shit happened. My dad ended up losing it, you know, so we ended up having to go back to the hood. So yeah. that's when uh, uh, we, uh, we moved back to, we moved to 29th Street. So, oh. so 29th Street, yep, that's where, that's where my stomping grounds are at. That's where I started running the streets, right there. Mm. Uh, Florin, Florin and Meadows area. Yep, I know exactly where that's at. Yep. So, uh, and was it just gradual? Like you just found yourself, all of a sudden you woke up one day and you're well, like, oh shit, like I'm really in this in this shit or was it a choice like could you consciously remember a choice of you being like yeah i'm about to just be reckless yeah well uh, i would say like uh uh it was all uh, uh, man like like you said like the the bad the, the hood kids always gravitate towards each other so yeah. i remember every school i went to i was right there you know yeah i was one of them knuckleheads you know so uh knucklehead in what way elaborate like what was your personality like yeah, you were well, I, I was uh, yeah i like to fight Yep, I like to fight, and I was just, you know, just just joking around, not paying attention, just bullshitting, you know. Yeah. Did you do good in school? No, nah, not really, not really, no. Just, I don't know, just didn't really pay attention to me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, um, it was just too many distractions, I think, for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I would, I would eventually uh, try to start doing good, you know, in my high school years, but going back, going back to the, to, to, to the, to the adolescence, but I I think it was middle school. Yeah. Middle school, middle school years. You know, I I ended up going to Gady, uh, part of my seventh grade and then eighth grade right there. And then, uh, yeah, just Gady. Did your parents ever try to intervene or like, Hey, you're fucking up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my parents, I mean, my my dad, he used to be in the military in Romania. So he's, he's, he ain't no pushover. I mean, and then they go by Romanian standards. They don't go by American standards. They'll put, they'll put hands and feet on you, you know? So for sure, my parents, they tried, they tried to intervene in in whatever methods that they knew, they they knew, you know? Yeah. It wasn't always the best, but uh, they, I know that they were, they were doing what, what they were taught, how how they grew up, you know? Yeah. So for sure, like uh, they would try to discipline us, discipline me, you know, and uh, um, yeah, they were hard in, in the sense that they didn't want us to have friends, you know, they, they, they told us that our friends could be the friends at school type stuff, mm-hmm. you know, they, they wanted us in uh, before the streetlights came on. So they mm-hmm. pushed a hard line, you know. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel like maybe their, um, their attempt to kind of keep you on a leash made you want to be off of it even more? Yeah, so that was the the kind of, uh, I guess, the kind of uh, blowback from trying to raise uh, American kids mm-hmm. with Amer- Romanian culture, right? Yeah, because the was, culture is here, so different. Was yeah, they're doing what they were taught in Romania, how how they were raised, you know. But uh, we go to school and we see how other kids are and how they have it, you know. And they got new mm-hmm. stuff and stuff like that, and they got these luxuries and. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and we see how uh, parents treat their kids. And uh, I'm sure like uh, familiar with the Mexican culture as well, you know? So yeah. I know how it is, right? Where it's not very affectionate. Yeah. Not very affectionate at all, you know? Yeah. So uh, no love yous, no hugs, no kisses, no nothing like that, you know? But it was just like, you know, toe that line, you know, mm -hmm. do this and do that. And so, um, you know, just after a while, you know, uh, I remember, you know, us meeting the, the neighborhood kids and stuff and, and, uh, and, uh, they wanted to do these things and stay out all night and drink and party and, and, and we wanted to do it too. So, yeah. you know, it started out like sneaking out, you know, yeah. sneaking out. And then mom, moms would always catch us, man. She'd be waiting for us, you know, waiting for us to come back. And then, uh, that turned into just blatantly just not even coming home, you know? Yeah, because yeah. at one point you get to an age where it's like, what can they do, right? Right, right. I mean, honestly, you go for, especially for young men. Yeah. Because you guys go through this moment where you guys are like little kids, yeah, exactly. boys, little kids, and then boom, you're like testosterone done kicked in. <laughs> you're yeah, a whole I'm a grown, -ass, grown -ass, man. ass man now. Yeah. You know? All of a sudden you're walking with your chest out, yeah. with your chin up, like what you going to do? Right, You right. know? And it just, that stuff doesn't work anymore. Right. I want to talk double back real quick you you talked about the emotionlessness that comes with like a lot of immigrant yeah. families and how that ties to the mexican culture that rings so true and i find that an observation that i've made is that with a lot of immigrant families right yeah they've been so focused on survival exactly that yeah. it's like they didn't have no time to learn emotional intelligence yeah. and i find that us first gen yeah. like mexican americans romanian americans right. whatever we may be right right we went through our struggles, but I think we're more keen to like, oh, okay, hold up. This is where our parents fucked up. Yeah. And now we, yeah, we have break to, that cycle. we have to yeah. break that cycle. Yeah. So I find that very interesting. For um, sure. yeah. So at what age would, did you uh, begin to really face consequences to the decisions that you were making in life? And could you elaborate on maybe some of the things that you were doing? Yeah, no. So, uh, right there, man. So I, I started, uh, I guess I started here in high school. You know, so graduating from middle school to high school meant graduating crimes, you know. Uh, I was just, I, I like, I, uh, again, going back to, to what I said earlier, you know, uh, it, was, it was doing what I thought was the normal, you know. I don't yeah. think, like, I was doing anything uh, outside of what everybody else was doing, you know. Yeah. Did you ever think about, like, the consequences to your actions? Like, did you ever, like, understand the gravity? Because I feel like, for me, you know, yeah. in retrospect, some of the things that I've done in life, I'm like, as a fucking young yeah. 14, 15, 16 right. year old, right. I realized that in that moment, I really didn't think about the gravity of a certain consequence. Right. Like I would get in fights and slam a girl's head on the floor. I could have right. killed her. Right. That thought never crossed my mind. Right. Right. Now as an adult, I'm like, oh shit. Like right. that could be yeah, manslaughter exactly. right there. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you don't, you, I mean, it crosses, I feel like it crosses your mind but it's like, it ain't gonna happen to me. Mm -hmm. like, I'm untouchable or I, I, I've got away before. So of course, you know, or, or even if it does happen, it ain't gonna be nothing too bad. You always minimize everything, you know, you find yeah. a way to minimize it. So. That invincibleness that yeah. we feel when we're young. Huh? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And so. then ignorance is bliss. So what we don't know, don't hurt us right, right. until we're forced to learn it, right? Right, exactly, until it hits you in the face. Mm -hmm. So at what age did you um, run into the law? and really do your first like oh shit okay so i mean uh i mean i had a couple juvenile hall trips uh stupid shit you know like uh burglaries and uh uh just fighting and uh breaking probation and dirty p tests is stupid shit you know yeah um 
so that would be just me going in and out of juvenile hall, doing six months, a year. Just, I think like it started when I was like probably, I first got arrested when I was 12. Right, but this cop just booked me in and tried to scare me, had my parents come pick me up, mm, you know? Like a scary straight yeah, type yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah, but they read, they put the cuffs on and they drove me, you know what I mean? Were you scared? Hell yeah, hell yeah, you know? But I, it didn't stop you? <laughs> nah, nah, that, that, that got me on probation. Okay. So at 12 years old, uh, I just got caught up in that web and never got out, you know? Yeah. So from there, yeah, so yeah. Do you think that's the case shit. for a lot of people? I think so, I think so. I think because kids are going to do stupid shit in life and that probation over their head is like any little thing is, yeah, that's it. You're going back in the system. Yeah. They fall into that web, you know, they can't get out. Yeah, damn, such a sticky trap, huh? Yeah, yeah. And so, so you were in and out of juvenile hall, yeah. you had those things, and in that time, nothing occurred to you like, I gotta change my life. Did you did you ever attempt to break the lifestyle you were living? Yeah, and yeah well, when my, when my son came around, I tried. And, and how, what, at what age was this? Yeah, so um, I was a freshman in high school. Uh, I was 14 when she got pregnant. Oh, so very young. I was 14 years old, and then we had him when I was 15. Yeah, and then uh, I tried to to do the right thing, you know. I even uh, I moved out mm -hmm. uh, I, of my parents. I haven't lived with my parents since I was 15 years old. I've been on my own, you know. But I moved out uh, with with my baby mom at the time, and uh, I was trying to do the right thing, you know. But she would uh, she was working, and I was yeah. doing homeschool because I yeah. figured uh, school wasn't thing you know mm -hmm. but I actually was doing really good at homeschool you know once yeah. I could sit down and, and not deal with the distractions of school you know so yeah. that was working out because I was actually catching up and then uh so I would I would stay home do do like a stay home daddy thing you know yeah. so uh she was working and uh we were doing that and then when she'd get off work boom that's it I'm going to the streets you know I'm going out with the homies yeah you that's know? your break yeah that was it you know so I was just trying to live both lives I think that's what it was, you know? Yeah, uh, and that's such a hard balance for, I mean, a lot of young men, even young women, right? I had my daughter, well, we had our daughter, 17, he was 18. And we didn't get our shit together in terms of, like, maturity, yeah. emotional intelligence till about 21, 22. Right, exactly. You yeah. know, I was still in that mentality. And, you know, I think a lot of people have this notion that having kids is going to change you. In a sense, yes. Yeah. Right. Because now you're motivated. But when you're a kid raising a kid on top of what we didn't have in terms of like our immediate family that we right. come from and those right. like there's just shit that you don't know. You're learning right. as you go. Right. 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 Do you feel like that was the case for you? Definitely. You know, I mean, even like, uh, you know, they did this study where they show that at uh, the mind doesn't fully develop until somebody's 23 years old. Mm -hmm. And that, that includes the, the, the ability to make judgment. And, the frontal cortex, right. right? I think it's 25. Uh, 25, yeah. right. Yeah. So, Which yeah. Shit. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of uh, uh, undevelopment that happens and, and, and that people who have babies at such a, such a young age, they don't know how to deal with it. You know, I talked to uh, I talked to a client of mine who told me she had a kid when she was, I believe, 18 years old. Yeah. And she told me that uh, she was just unequipped. And every time the baby cried, she cried. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's crazy. No, it, you know, yeah, it's true. They were just not equipped. You know, some people are more equipped than others, you know. So. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's very true. Wow. Yeah. That, that just takes me down memory lane <laughs> with me when I was, yeah. when you just said that she cried, the baby would cry. Like, yeah. yes, I remember just being like, what in the this yeah. is a whole human I have to raise. I yeah. can't even raise myself right, right now. But, right. you know, we figure it out as we go. So 
you did that. You had your son. You were still in the streets. Yeah. Um, I know you have a new wife, not to talk about yeah. your baby mama too much, but did she try to keep you out of that? Well, um, once I went to prison, mm-hmm. you know, once that fell apart. Mm, okay. Uh, but at the time, we were, we, were trying to, uh, we were trying to make it work, you know. We were, trying to, we were young. We were trying to make it work. Uh, and then, like I said, uh, I would eventually uh, end up catching this case. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we could go into that. If, yeah, well, let's let's go bit. into that. You, you a little bit. So All what right. happened there? Because that was one of the pivotal moments in your life that yeah. altered you. Yeah, so it's just gangbanging. That's all I could pretty much put it in words. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just we was out and uh, we wanted, you know, we wanted we wanted to to trip. And, yeah. and, you know, we were looking for problems and it ain't hard to find them when you're looking for them, you know? Yeah. So um, it just. Yeah, man, it was just a bad, <laughs> it's just a bad night that turned into an ugly morning, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, we got into a fight with some guys. Uh, we got outnumbered, and I felt like, you know, I pulled out a knife. Survival of the fittest. I pulled out a knife. Yep. What's crazy is I had a walking boot on at the time. I had a broken foot. Yeah. So. Well, I mean. Well, just. Not justifying your decision, but kind of yeah. like I mean, your back's against the wall. Yeah. You kind of like they're one up. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. literally got one leg. I can see yeah. why you did what you did. Right, right, right. So, um, but you know, whatever the case is, that night or that morning, we all eventually get get caught up. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they tell us they got multiple eyewitnesses. I mean, shit happened at a, at a high school. Oh, and then you're on school campus. Yeah. So after all that Columbine shit just happened, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So does that, did that take it up a notch in, in terms of like what they were trying to hit you with? Uh, because they were it just, was on I campus? Feel like, I feel like uh, it made it on a lot of, the, you know, frontline news mm, yeah. uh, because it was uh, out of school, you know? Uh, yeah. So uh, it made it on the, 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 the Sacramento Bee and all that stuff. So it was a, it was, it was a big deal at the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, and my, I remember my, my parents, they always tell me this story about when they were uh, driving one day, that day it happened. And my dad, he, he has this little TV that he, you know, ghetto rigged up there. And he's watching, they're watching the news and it could, the story comes on and they're like, you know, hey, this happened, you know? And then there, my dad was like, uh, whoever did that, send them to hell. You know? Dang, little did he know. Yeah, he didn't know, son. he didn't know, you know? He didn't know, but it, it's all right, you know? <laughs> it was crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. They tell me this story like they So how know. did they react when they found out? I, I, I don't know, but I could tell you I'm sure it wasn't good. <laughs> I was locked up. So, so you didn't, did you, were you able to call them from jail? Like, how, how did they find out? I, I went to juvenile hall. I was a juvenile. Uh, okay. I was 17 years old. I had just turned 17. Uh, the other guys I was with, they were all adults. Mm. Yeah. So I went to juvenile hall. Uh, I would eventually wake up to an attorney visit. I was drunk. Yeah, I was drunk. And then uh, I would wake up, I got an attorney visit. That's when they would tell me like, hey, you're facing, you know, attempted murder charges. And I was like, what? What, what did you feel when you heard that? Cause that's some serious shit. Right, I was like, wait a minute. I thought I was going to boys ranch. <laughs> Cause I remember the last time I seen the judge, she said, if I see you again, I'm sending you to boys ranch, you know? Yeah. I was like, shit, I ain't tripping. I'll go to boys ranch, kick it with the homies, you know? Yeah. It wasn't a big deal to me, you know? Yeah. I was like, whoa, what do you mean attempted murder? And they were like, yeah, and we're charging you as an adult. So I knew, at that point I, I knew I, I was looking at life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. Did you ever feel defeated? 
did you like did 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 it did your young 17 year old mind grasp the fact that like i I might be done for like i'm i might be done yeah I, i mean it wasn't long after that where i would say maybe a few months after that um it was very stressful. I could tell you that very stressful where to, to the point, like I could eat and shit like that, thinking about, um, whether or not, uh, they were going to really try to take my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but they would reduce the charges early into the, 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 the ongoings of the trial, you know? So mm-hmm. like during my preliminary hearings, they would reduce the charges to, uh, assault with a deadly weapon and gang advancement, you know? Okay. So that would kind of like, whew, now it kind of like, it felt almost, and it sounds ridiculous, but it felt almost like anything they throw at me is better than life. I'll take it, you know? Yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. in that situation, of course. So you get to prison. Yeah. What was that adjustment like? Prison, yeah. Uh, in the beginning, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, wh- I mean, where can I start, you know? like. Uh, was it intimidating? Yeah, of course. Were you scared? Of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, Do you the think that people through. say they aren't scared? They're lying. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. I think the real ones will tell you, like, yeah, yeah. Everybody felt that fear, but you need that fear, you know. Yeah. That's that's what's gonna keep you alive, you know. Mm-hmm. That that sense of fear, that uh, anxiety, it needs to be there because that's what's gonna get your uh, heightened awareness and all that going, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think I think you need that, I and mean, mm-hmm. you need to acknowledge it and you need to embrace it, you know, mm-hmm. and. And that's what's going to help you think logically in those types of situations, I feel like, you know. But, yeah, I got there. I remember uh, leaving because I would turn 18, and then I got uh, sent to the county jail. And then from there, uh, I would get sentenced, and then, boom, straight to Tracy. So I remember driving up to Tracy and and getting up there and and, uh, first seeing those big old palm trees in front of Tracy, you know. They're Mm -hmm. infamous, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like a forest of palm trees before you get there, yeah. you know? And then you get there, and then you see the, the big old gates and the, and the gunner tower and all that shit, you know? So, yeah, uh, Interesting to racing. have something so beautiful, huh? Yeah. Palm trees right before you get right. fucking locked up. Right, right. Damn. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was just, you know, I guess the beginning, um, the introduction to, to, to prison. Because Tracy, you only stay there for a little bit, reception center. Yeah. Until you actually get uh, sent to the prison that your uh your point system matches you up with you know okay so uh everybody eventually goes through reception it doesn't matter what crime you did petty crime to murder you know you go through reception it's like a filter system so uh, tracy is just filtering yeah right yeah they shut it down now but okay so where did they permanently send you pelican bay level four yeah pelican bay level four yeah now what were the other men like in there what were they like yeah it's very serious very serious because man. i would imagine that they're men that like ye <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying to fuck with them like i would be yeah. i would be scared no it's very is it, everybody in there it's a very serious environment and um uh it's hard to explain or to explain it to somebody who hasn't been there right mm-hmm. there's a certain there's a certain feeling on that yard or on any level four yard right I don't know what it is. It's like maybe it's like when people are nervous, they sweat different. Maybe mm-hmm. they that smell of the sweat is different or there's a you can smell the fear in the air, the anxiety, the despair, you know? There's men in there that have given up on life. 
Yeah. So there's sort of that level of despair that, 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 that's going on in that place. And there's a level of danger that you feel it. It's, it, it hits you, you know? Yeah. And I remember it's like walking into that building right away. And then you could hear uh, everybody talking through their doors. And all these smells and senses are hitting me, you know? Yeah. Well, your and heightened I'm, awareness right. is kicking in. Heightened awareness. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, damn, this is it. I hope, you know, I just hope and pray everything goes good for me. Did yeah. you have a strategy to survive prison or was it at the time super young, 18 years old, you know, my, my, my only strategy was just, just to learn, just to get there and learn what I can and learn how to survive and do what I'm told, you know, mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. So you had told me that you spent time in solitary. Yeah. You said eight years. Yeah. Eight years. Yeah. What toll did that take on you mentally? Or emotionally, spiritually, <laughs> every way. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, you know, I, I did uh, eight years in the shoe. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would last like about a year and a half out there on the main line. Mm -hmm. um, where eventually uh, uh, I would get validated. Uh, it was a big sham. I'm talking about they would validate people fresh off the bus because they had a face tattoo, you know. Mm -hmm. It was just a way of uh, keeping those, um, those cells full. Because mm. the, the prison makes more money off having a shoe. The, the officers that work in the shoe make more money because they live in more dangerous environment. I, I, it was just a money scheme, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, everybody there, you, you go, everybody in prison is somehow one way or another affiliated, you know? Yeah. It's just a matter of who they want to pick to fill the next cell, you know? So, it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy, but... Yeah, I would go to the shoe. I'd get validated. Uh, and uh, that's when, I guess, yeah, that's when a, a lot of the, you know, in, mental struggles would begin, mm -hmm. you know. Do you feel like it broke you? No. No? I don't think so. I think, I think it, it was intended to break me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Do you think it built you? Yeah, I think it definitely did. I think it, it was meant to break me, but it did the opposite, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I could tell you that Pelican Bay shoe was specifically designed to break inmates, right? The intention was to take the most dangerous inmates and put them in these extreme harsh environments, no windows, no human contact, no, no visits, no nothing, you know? And you put them there until uh, they're ready to cooperate with us and tell us whatever information we need to know, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's what the intention was. It was to break you so that you can, A, I'll tell you whatever you need to know, get me out of here, you know? Yeah. So, no, I didn't break. I, I, st I stood solid, yeah. I stood wow. solid. And That's it, such a yeah. testament to your character, and not just your character, your mental fortitude. Yeah. Because I don't think too many built like that. No. You know, a lot of people fold under pressure, but, you know, in life, my dad always says, you sink or you swim, right? right. And then you're faced with these challenges that really test that. Like, people think yeah. that... We could say all day like what we would do in certain situations, yeah. but until you're really in that situation is what you know what you're really made exactly. out of. Exactly. I couldn't tell you beforehand that I was going to be able to do that yeah. until I was there and I had no choice but to do it. You know, that, that's when you're going to find out what you're made of. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're in solitary. You're doing all this thinking, right? Yeah. What was that moment that began to change you? That changed what, me. What, what were you thinking about? You know, like I know, like I'll give you an example, right? For me, I hit rock bottom. Yeah. I was on meth, I was homeless, 
yeah. had nine dollars. My homegirl busted a date so that my daughter could eat. Yeah. Wasn't with him. And in that moment, I realized like, oh, shit, this is really rock bottom for me. Mm -hmm. Like, how, how am I going to make it out of this? Mm -hmm. And that's when I knew something had to change in my life. Yeah. And I turned to faith. I surrendered myself to God. And I said, you know what? Like, I can't do this. I've tried in my flesh to make all these decisions right. in my life. And I've gotten myself here. Mm -hmm. So I know where I lead myself. Right. But where could you lead me? And I remember just surrendering to him in that sense. And then that's when all of a sudden, honestly, randomly, these fucking light bulbs just started yeah. going off in my head yeah. of things that I wouldn't think about before that I was like, right. oh, I got to do. Like, right. I got to go talk to my dad and mm -hmm. say, you know, hey, let's have a serious conversation about where yeah. you failed as a parent, you know? And then in weird ways, those things mm -hmm. started happening. And then right. I slowly began to notice like a change in myself. Yeah, yeah. So did you have a pivotal moment when you were like locked up yeah. that you were like, okay, there was that switch mentally for you. Well, I just, I guess, yeah, I guess it would have to be the fact that, that I faced the potential of, of doing the rest of my time in solitary confinement, you know? Mm -hmm. So I knew that if I didn't do it right, it was going to, it was going to, it was going to break me in, in psychological ways, you know, mm -hmm. because I did, I seen many people in there who, uh, who lost their shit. Like, I'm talking about there's people who were validated in there for up to 30 years at a time, you know, and I'm sure they they would probably look at themselves in the reflection of their TV and not even recognize who they see, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I've seen lots of that, you know, people who lost their minds, people who are talking to themselves, people who wipe shit all over the walls, who throw shit at cops, you know, like these are like really lost people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I know it was the conditions of the shoe that made them that way they're just acting out looking for attention you know mm -hmm. so i knew i had to just i had to just stay uh i just had to be distracted i had to be distracted in solitude you know so what'd you do to distract yourself yeah i read a lot i did the the the, the normal things that inmates do you know uh, i read a lot that's where i really started drawing and refining my art skills you know and that's where it began yeah yeah, that's where it began. Did yeah. you like art prior I, to that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I just never really took it that serious, you know? Yeah. Uh, while I was in the shoe, I mean, I had to create a program, you know? So yeah. it would be like first thing in the morning, you know, you, you know, I'd get up, I, I'd read uh, a certain maybe a, a educational book. Then I would uh, work out. Then breakfast would come. I'd put my breakfast away. I'd finish cleaning. Then I would eat, you know because food was so scarce in there that I would, I would just have my breakfast and lunch together just mm -hmm. so I could feel like I had a real meal, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'd put my breakfast aside, save it for lunch. Lunch would come around, you know, I would eat lunch and then uh, I'd, I'd probably write because I did a lot of writing. Uh, I did, I mean, yeah, a lot of writing. Uh, all kinds of shit. I did, wrote articles, I wrote poems. Uh, I have one of my old cellies. I was I had a cellie in there for four years. One person for four years. Oh wow! And then I did by, by myself for four years. You know, um, I had a cellie, and and me and him we uh, we co-authored, not published, a book. Yeah. So that's cool. It took us like two years to do it to write. Yeah. Wow. So, What's it about? Uh, it's well. It's, it's called the perspective of two uh, two prisoners, two inmates. I forgot what it was called. I bet that's an interesting read. So it was kind of like, it's kind of like uh, like general life topics, but what 
we as inmates think about it. But I don't think mm -hmm. that we give the normal what what people what people would think that an inmate would think. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of misconceptions about what what people you know think how how we think or what we do in there you know. But I could tell you like I mean it it, it went from like just studying books. I would. I wouldn't just read a book, you know, I would, I would read a book, then I would break down each chapter and I would, you know, dissect mm -hmm. each chapter and, and we would have curriculums on them and all kinds of stuff, you know? Yeah. So the knowledge really expanded. Yeah. And I, and, 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 it, and I was hungry for you and, and it kept me busy. It kept me mm -hmm. entertained, you know, mm -hmm. uh, reading, uh, all kinds of different shit, you know? Yeah. So when you started doing the drawings, yeah. Did it ever occur to you in your mind, like, I could be a tattoo artist. Like, did you do tattooing in there? So that's where it started. That's where it started in the shoe where I had the celly. Uh, so towards the end, I would say around 2011, yeah. uh, we'd be in the shoe and then uh, uh, the infamous hunger strikes would begin, right? Yeah. So uh, during these, the first hunger strikes, there was three hunger strikes in three years. So the first ones, we, we started getting a few privileges. Mm -hmm. Administration was like, whoa, let me, let's give them some things and to, to shut them down. Mm -hmm. So some of those things were like uh, sweats. We weren't allowed to have sweats. We would go in the we would go to the yard in our boxers and stuff. That's how they'd make us go to the yard, you know. So they gave us sweats and they let us have uh, CD players or cassette players, mm -hmm. but no no CDs or cassettes though. Mm -hmm. It was just for the radio that was in there, you know. Yeah. So yeah, right away I bought one and uh, my my celly, he he came from YA so. So he knew how to make machines and stuff, you know? So, um, so we got one and he put it together and then, uh, and then, uh, we started tatting. I mean, I guess he, Was started, hard? he started tatting me first. Oh, really? Yeah. He started tatting me. I started getting like, I got, like, I got, uh, my back, some of my back done, my chest, you know, some, some, some stuff. Did you he know? do a decent job? He did a decent job, but, but I, I, I call him a scripter, you know, he's just, yeah good with the letters you know? oh, I won't make you take your shirt yeah, off my yeah, camera yeah, yeah. no worries <laughs> yeah well that's good okay so then and then and then I would I would eventually you know uh we would switch off because we, we I was you know we were both drawing in there mm -hmm. you know so was it harder than you thought it was going to be to tattoo it was in the beginning hell yeah because I messed them up a few times for sure for yeah. sure well, I mean I, I I did some stuff on my leg too you know yeah so just practicing and stuff but yeah so mistakes are part of the process hell yeah. right hell yeah so yeah I know I know uh, I messed them up man but I mean, I did some stuff that came out cool towards the end, <laughs> yeah. started coming out dope, you know, yeah. but I remember like we were the only ones in the, in the section right there that we were coming out of the, the cell, just blasting new ink. Everybody's like, what the hell? You know, so you were cool. like, there was no infections, no nothing going on. Cause now we, it's we, not a very sanitary no, environment, to, right? We try to keep it as sanitary as possible. We would get cleaning supplies, you know, um, we try to, uh, burn the, 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 the tip of the needle to try yeah. to clean it. I never had no problem as long as you don't share needles, you know? Yeah. And then like when I really started getting into tattooing in there, once I, once I tattooed you, I would give you the needle and tell you oh, when I tattoo you again, bring me the same needle. You know? oh, clever. Yeah. That's so smart. That's smart. Was, and then, and then I would clean it once I got it back and do my little disinfectant yeah. process. I never had a problem with it. I guess there was, there were definitely could be some scumbags in there that, yeah, you gotta be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So time passes, you get out. Yeah. Did you pursue tattooing right away? Not right away, but I knew that that's something that I wanted to do right away. You know, mm -hmm. I knew that well, I, did, I came home. I didn't have shit. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have nothing. Um, 
luckily I had I had my now wife. She 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 stepped up big time, you know. Yeah. Because I mean I mean I I I'm still in contact with my family, but shit, they, they ain't doing much better since when I was a kid. You know, they're yeah. still not doing good. You know. And having a real one on your side really right. does make a difference. Right. So um, um, that kind of helped me out, you know. So, uh, but I, but I also like I didn't have shit, you know. So mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna depend on her for shit either. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, for sure, like right away, uh, I started applying jobs. I knew that that's what I needed to do. So, uh, like random jobs, like whatever. Yeah, random jobs. jobs just uh, I flooded that man. I just flooded everything, everything I could, you know, um, just online. Just, uh, just did you have any luck? Yeah. Oh, good. I, that's why I don't understand what people are talking about. It's hard to find jobs. Yeah. It's just people have too many. I don't know. They're, they're like they have too many standards of what mm-hmm. jobs. You know, money's money. And know? I think a lot of it might be like character wise. You know, you yeah. present yourself as a very stand up, honorable person. Right. And I that, think that when you yeah. when you meet people in person, and and just given the circumstances that you've lived, and you meet someone in person, yeah. you can feel that presence. Right. And right, right, right. you know, there's some people that walk around with a chip on their shoulder, right. or an entitlement, or despair. One hundred percent. And yeah. that hinders that the ability to have those um, opportunities arise for them, I think. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it, I think, is self-inflicted, honestly. No, I, I, I couldn't agree because I was thinking about that coming here, you know, like a uh, word of advice to people, you know, who are coming out fresh, you know. It's it's all the mindset. It's all it's all the energy you put out there, you know. Mm-hmm. People worried about what's going to happen when they come home or if people are going to trip on them or how things are. It's I, I didn't have no problem whatsoever, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's because I, I came out there with the right mindset. You know? yeah. 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 And you were hungry to change your life. Right. So you get into tattooing. You're yeah. located right now at Elgrove Tattoo. Elgrove Tattoos. Yeah. Okay. And your work is tight. Your work is <laughs> Appreciate dope. It. Appreciate it. My husband it. was yeah. following you for a while and he yeah. was like, oh, what? he reached out to you. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, cool. that's how I saw all your work. Yeah. Um, what was the process like to get there? Yeah. And you're doing your social media. You're, you're marketing yourself. I'm trying. I'm trying. You're doing good work. Like, yeah. what is that like for you to know that you went from being in solitary yeah. to out here doing your, like you're an entrepreneur. You're a right. businessman. Right. You, right. you know, you're. You're doing your stuff for yourself and your family. Right. How does that feel to know that you have able to overcome that adversity no, and be I mean, so successful the way you for have For sure, now? like uh, um, I'm proud of myself, but but you know, there's times where I, I feel like um, like it's not happening fast enough. Mm. I'm impatient, you know. But I guess I, I feel like a lot of us feel like that, you know. And you were very patient like, for a long yeah, time. Yeah, like I feel like I lost a lot of time. I'm trying to make up for lost time, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like. Uh, I'm proud of myself, but also it's 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 nothing like where I, I don't know. I feel like I envisioned it, like it's mm-hmm. supposed to happen. Like mm-hmm. this is what I'm working for, so of course it's gonna happen. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I, I didn't see it going no other way, other than yeah. the fact that you know I wish things would go faster. But that that's life, right? And I came out knowing that this shit wasn't gonna be easy. You know, mm-hmm. and there was gonna be a lot to learn. You know, and part of my uh, studies was learning the the rule of mastery, right? Have you heard of that? I have not. The rule of mastery says that it takes you 10,000 hours to master a subject. Wow. Right? Or 10 I years. I believe it. Or 10 years of consistent working yeah. on it, right? So I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to put the, those years in. I'm not looking for a way out, you know? So yeah. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get, uh, I'm trying to earn everything I get. Yeah. 
Damn, yeah. I got nine years to go with this podcast and stuff. Hey, that's <laughs> grind. I'm with you. Hey, we can. Yeah. I mean, discipline goes a long way. You know, integrity right. goes a long way. A lot of people quit when it's when it's tough, but we learn as we go, and the mistakes only make you better, right? Right. right the right. art of mastery. Right. Art of mastery. Wow. That's amazing. So I'm guessing everything is good with your family life. You you got married. I think I lurked on your page a little bit. Last yeah. year? Yeah, this September. Year? There you go. We September. got married last year, too, in April. Oh, really? Yeah, we oh, did. Yeah. We did. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. To you, you and guys. your wife. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Everything's looking up. Yep. And you got a big boy son. Yeah. I was not expecting to hear. Well, you know what? Math ain't my strong suit. It, <laughs> makes, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. But I honestly, I didn't even know your age. But wow. More kids? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. All right. Well, word of advice for people. I know you just said for the people that just came out, but in anybody facing any adversity in their life, what yeah. are some of the key things that you've learned in life that are, are fundamental keys to success for you? Well, I feel like uh, once you get in there, right, you, you pick up a level of seriousness and, mm -hmm. and apply that same level. You know, um, you, learn, you, you learn what dedication is. You learn what hard work is. You learn what sacrifice is. Um, all those things apply out here. You know, I, I feel like uh, everything, everything I do out here, every move I make, you know, I, I reference it off what I did in there. Yeah. Uh, circumstances I face. Uh, that's all my point of reference is, you know, and I feel like I'm doing okay. You know, I feel like I'm doing okay. Uh, I feel like I made a lot of right decisions based on um, um, some of the lessons I learned in prison. Mm -hmm. uh, things like learning on how to talk to people, how to communicate, right? And there, and there you have to learn how to be a chameleon. Yeah. Right? You have to learn how, if I need a talk to this guy I need to talk to him on this matter or if I need to get at a CEO or an administrative officer or something I need to talk to him on a more professional level yeah it's about learning you know your environment and learning uh, I'm a good people reader and and those are things that uh, you pick up on in there right yeah. you very uh, observant very observant uh, you pick up on energy right yeah I could pick up on if somebody's bullshitting right or things like that and it's not I like um, I think those are things those are those are skill sets that people you have and you you can use them mm -hmm. you know and 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 uh, it's it's a part of maybe a, a part of our, our life or maybe a part of trauma that we had in that life but it's still tools yeah it's still something that makes you different you know it's, mm -hmm. it makes you dis distinguishes you from out here because I could tell like I get around people out here you know and I'll be in a room and I I just know that I'm different from everybody in there. Yeah. You know, nobody has had my experiences or my life lessons. You know, and I'm and I yeah and and I feel like you should people should embrace that, mm -hmm. embrace that shit because that's what makes you who you are. You you have a specific skill set and you just got to know how to harness it. You know. Yeah. You got to know how to how to pull it out and apply it in the right way. Yeah. That is extremely powerful right there because cool. it's so true. We can be the victors of our circumstances. You know, yeah. I always say we can't change the cards that were dealt to us, but we can change how we play them. Yeah. And building that mental fortitude is possible for everybody if right. you so desire. Because yeah. you have to harness that power within yourself. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jesse, is there any last words that you would like to share with anybody? Nah. Anything you're working uh, on? Anything you want to promote? Well, I mean, uh, just 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 a shop. Just a shop. I want you guys to come check out El Grove Tattoos. It's a new shop. Uh, we've been around for about a year and a half now. I've been there for 
about eight months. Okay. But uh, dope artists, hard hitters, uh, very extreme professionalism. You guys come check us out, man. We're, I'll link. We're I'll it. link your links um, yeah. for for the shop and your link um, yeah, for sure, somewhere for on the sure. screen, guys. Well, that's awesome. Sure. I really appreciate you coming on oh, and yeah. really just sharing your testimony and the gems and giving the people that potentially do business or have done business with yeah. you that more personable insight yeah, of exactly. you and who you are. I think that's such an important part to just co human connection mm -hmm. and networking. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Right. I don't know. With right. me, I'm more likely to build those bonds with people that I know are being authentic, sincere, right. or just relatability. Right. So I appreciate right. you stepping out of like the norm and coming right. on here and sharing and just being a success story. Yeah, you know? thank you. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. I, I mean, I feel like... Uh, a lot of my clients probably don't know that side about me, but there are some that do, you know, because yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. I don't hide from it. I feel like it, it comes out when it comes out, you know? Yeah. So I just feel like I wanted to come here uh, to, to get my story out there. You know, I feel like I do, like, this is my life, uh, tattooing 100% my life. So with that, uh, I want to share a, a, a piece of my past life with everybody, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it, it's a part of me. I embrace it. It's not going nowhere, and uh, I'm gonna, you know, use it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use it to the best I can. Awesome. I love that. I love the impact that I know this is gonna have on everybody cool, that watches cool. it. Hell well, yeah. thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast, everybody. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. If you guys want to see other people on the podcast, or I don't know, whoever it may be, DM me, email me. Go check out his work. You want some work done, go book with him. Oh, yeah. It's truly exceptional work. Like, I'm not even putting dubs on it. I will probably end up putting some pictures of your artwork because it's clean. It's clean. Oh, yeah. Anyways, well, you have a wonderful night, Jesse. Thank oh, you yeah. so much Appreciate for being you. here. Inked up by Jay. Let's go. It'll be right her. Okay? <laughs> you guys have a wonderful night. Thank you so much. All right. Thank All right. you.